Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. gentlemen, thank you for standing by, and welcome to the Superior Plus 2020 First Quarter Results Conference. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star and zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker today, Rob Doran, Vice President of Investor Relations and Treasurer. Thank you, and please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Dee. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Spirit Plus's conference call and webcast to review our 2020 first quarter results. Our speakers on the call today will be Luke Desjardins, President and CEO, and Beth Summers, Exec- Executive VP and CFO. Darren Rebar, Senior VP and Chief Legal Officer, will also be available to answer any questions during the question and answer period of today's call. Today's call is being webcast, and we encourage listeners to follow along with the supporting presentation, which is also available on our website. For this morning's call, Luke and Beth will begin with their prepared remarks, and then we will open up for the call for questions. Before I turn the call to Luke, I'd like to remind you that some of the comments made today may be forward-looking in nature and are based on Superior's current expectations, estimates, judgments, projections, and risks. Further, some of the information provided refers to non-GAAP measures. Please refer to Superior's first quarter MDMA posted on CDAR and Superior's website yesterday for further details on forward-looking information and non-GAAP measures. I would encourage listeners to review the MDNA as it includes more detail on the financial information for the first quarter as we won't be going over each financial metric on today's call. This will allow us to move more quickly into the question and answer period. I'll now turn the call over to Luke. Thank you, Rob, and good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining the call. I'd like to start the call today by saying we hope everyone and their families are safe, healthy, and finding a way to manage through these unprecedented times. At Superior Plus, we have adapted our business practice with the health and safety of our employees, our customer, local communities, and our first priority. Our propane distribution and specialty chemical business are considered essential in critical services and infrastructure in all of the province, territories, states in which we operate in the U.S. and in Canada and in Chile. I'm so proud of this resilience of our commitment to the more than 4,000 employees of Superior Plus for their effort to continue serving our customer, their local communities throughout this pandemic. Our employees are working hard to ensure our customers' home and business are aided and you have the propane to keep your business going. Organization and vehicles are running as well, so we're servicing our customer very well. Our specialty chemical business continues to provide the chemical to make essential products, including those products that can be used to combat the impact of COVID-19, for sanitary, of course. 
This unprecedented health crisis has had a profound impact on our economy as a whole and federal, state, provincial, local, municipal government have all instituted dramatic measures to help control the spread of COVID-19. Our businesses are resilient to these impacts, but not immune to the significant economic shutdown, slowdown, I should say. We have done a thorough review and bold business of what the potential impact could be, and we expect our commercial and industrial segment, primarily in the Canadian propane distribution business, will likely be the most impacted by the recession and slowdown in the economy. And, and also the low price of oil, which is the oil field. It's been going down for years. So there's not much of our total sales now that are related to the oil field in Canada. Our specialty chemical business also expect lower demand from hydrochloric acid and sodium chloride related to the reduction in oil and gas related in Canada and in the U.S. In response to the anticipated impact uh, of the COVID-19 and as part of our ongoing cost-saving initiative, we took immediately action to protect our business and financial strength in an effort to position superior to emerge from this situation even stronger. In 2020, we have reduced our planned capital expenditure by approximately 30 million, and we reduced our expense to adjust to the lower volume, especially in Canada, for by the tune of over 30 million, which covers all of our businesses. We're closer to 35 million total cost reduction on the done. We kept our adjusted EBITDA guidance range consistent with the range provided in February, and we expect to finish 2020 at the middle to lower end of the range due to the impact of the warm winter in eastern U.S., as well as the anticipated COVID-19 and the low price oil reduced the drilling activity. Just to put everything in perspective, it was 17% warmer than Northeast USA. This is uh, the sixth time in 130 years that it's that warm. Our U.S. president of business was saying to our Lord this week, he's been in the business for 15 years, and he doesn't remember that warm. This only happened six times over 130 years, so I suppose average weather will come back. And Canada was 10% warmer. So it's been a major, major effect. And I think our, both of our businesses are resilient. They're not getting affected much by the slowdown of the economy, but the weather affects us for sure. Now, when you think of the EBITDA and our guidance, and you think of where we started in the warm weather, uh, many tens of millions of less EBITDA, and we've done some adjustment to finish the year on guidance. Our management team is, in every business has done a super job in adapting and adjusting to the warmer weather, as well as the slowdown in the economy, to enable Superior to maintain and adjust EBITDA guidance for 2020 and at the low end. Very proud of the employee's ability to respond quickly to unprecedented situations. We even look at 2021 and that are getting adjusted even further to make sure that we have a good, sustainable, profitable business. I'd like to begin with a couple of highlights in the first quarter. First quarter, U.S. propane team realized 3.9 million additional synergy related to NGL propane acquisition and Tuckin acquisition. We have now realized over 20 million U.S. synergy and expect to finish at 24 million U.S. run rate synergy 
related to NGL propane acquisition. To put everything in perspective, NGL was a $90 million in the dub business with her business model without more sales or more you know, weather helping, we can improve the base case by 24 million. And I've said it many times, we can do that with our business model, done it across Canada, done it in the States, and every acquisition we're looking at, and I've done, which is plenty, we improve the business 25%. We still expect to exit 2020 with 24 million US and run rate energy related to NGO. On January 9, 2020, we acquired an independent propane distributor in Southern California for a total of 22.7 million US. This was our, our second retail propane acquisition in California. We see good opportunity to grow in that market. We also have many opportunities to grow through acquisition in Eastern US, and we still have a robust acquisition funnel, actually bigger than ever, due to our leverage level and our current need to preserve liquidity we will likely, unfortunately, do less stock-in this year than we could do by a long shot. Overall, we delivered good results considering the headwind we were facing related to weather in the U.S. propane distribution business and caustic soda, azarclic acid, market, and specialty chemical. The first quarter adjusted was 219 million, 20.6 million, 9% lower than the prior year quarter probably due to the decrease in EBITDA from operation, of course, with some cost reduction a bit, but they're all coming for the rest of the year. First quarter EBITDA from operation was 223.9 million, 25.4 million, or 10% decrease on prior year. Quarter, probably due to the lower result from U.S. propane and specialty chemical, partially upset by our result from our Canadian propane. In the first quarter, the Canadian propane distribution results were higher, probably due to improved wholesale propane market fundamentals and our ability to capitalize on those benefits, including effective price management uh, and then a good environment for price of propane. Upset in part by lower sales volume due to reduction in the economy. Canadian propane distribution EBITDA from operation for 2020 is anticipated to be lower than 2019 probably due to an expected decrease in sales volume, average in this margin partially upset by a decrease in operating expense. The margin are holding quite well, even better, and the operating costs are going to go down. Sales volume are expected to decrease due to impact from COVID, because the economy slowed down and reduced activity in the oil and gas and other segments Western Canada related to the low price of oil. U.S. propane results were lower due to a decrease in volume related to the significantly warmer weather experienced in the first quarter, partially upset by an increase in average margin contribution from tuck-in acquisition and realized synergy of NGL propane acquisition and the tuck-in acquisition completed in the last 12 months. U.S. propane EBITDA from operation for 2020 is anticipated to be lower than 2019, primarily due to the significant warmer weather experience in the first quarter. Partially upset by incremental contribution from token acquisition complete in 2019 and January 2020. An incremental synergy related to NGL acquisition and token acquisition. Specialty chemical EBITDA from operation the first quarter was lower than last year, but much better than we planned, primarily due to the decrease in chloracolide results. 
specialty chemical in the Durham operation for 2020 is anticipated to be lower than 2019 due to an expected decrease in chloracalide gross profit, partially offset by a modest increase in sodium chloride gross profit and increase in pricing of caustic, uh, with also a modest decrease in operating expense. So, on that, I will uh, turn the presentation to Beth. Thank you, Luke, and good morning, everyone. Our consolidated first quarter adjusted operating cash flows before transaction and other costs per share was $1.07 per share, which is 14 cents lower than the prior year quarter due to the decrease in adjusted EBITDA, increased interest expense, and cash taxes. Interest expense increased primarily due to the higher average debt levels related to the financing tuck-in acquisitions completed in 2019 in January 2020 using the credit facility. Now turning to the individual business results. Canadian propane EBITDA from operations for the first quarter was $86.6 million, a $2.3 million increase, primarily due to higher adjusted gross profit and lower operating expenses. Adjusted gross profit increase compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to the wholesale propane market fundamentals, and Superior's ability to capitalize on those benefits. This was partially offset by lower sales volume. Average unit margins were 20 cents per liter, compared to 15.9 cents per liter in the prior year quarter, primarily due to improved wholesale propane market fundamentals and margin management initiatives. Total sales volumes were 729 million liters, a decrease of 193 million liters, or 21%, primarily due to the impact of warmer weather, a reduction in butane sales, competitive pressures, and reduced demand. Average weather across Canada, as measured by degree days, was 10% warmer than the prior year quarter and 4% warmer than the five-year average. U.S. propane EBITDA from operations for the first quarter was $103.4 million, a decrease of $22 million compared to the prior year quarter, this is primarily due to lower sales volume, partially offset by higher average unit margins and realized synergies. Total sales volumes decreased 67 million liters, or 14%, primarily due to the impact of warmer weather, offset in part by incremental sales volumes from tuck and acquisition. Average weather, as measured by degree days across the markets where Superior operates in the eastern U.S., was 17% warmer than the prior year quarter and the five-year average. Average unit margins were 41.8 cents per liter compared to 40.3 cents per liter in the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower wholesale propane prices and effective management of pricing in a low commodity price environment. Turning now to specialty chemicals. EBITDA from operations for the first quarter was $33.9 million, a $5.7 million decrease compared to the prior year quarter, primarily due to lower gross profit, partially offset by lower operating expenses. Gross profit decreased $7.5 million due to lower chloroalkylide gross profit, reflecting the headwinds from oil and gas, partially offset by higher sodium chlorate gross profit. Operating expenses decreased $2.7 million, primarily due to the impact of the gain on translation of U.S.-denominated working capital and lower incentive plan costs. Lastly, to corporate results and the adjusted EBITDA and leverage guidance. Corporate costs were $0.6 million, 
a decrease of $5 million compared to the prior year quarter. This was primarily due to the decrease in LTIP expense related to the share price decline. Interest expense was $27.1 million, modestly higher than the prior year quarter due to the increased average debt and the impact from the weaker Canadian dollar on the translation of U.S.-denominated interest costs. Debt was higher primarily due to the Tuckin acquisitions completed in 2019 and January 2020. In the first quarter, Superior had cash income tax expenses of $4.3 million. This is an increase of $1.9 million due to the utilization of available tax pools and the impact of the weaker Canadian dollar on the translation of U.S.-denominated taxes. We're maintaining our 2020 adjusted EBITDA guidance in the range of $475 million to $515 million, but we expect to finish at the lower end of the range. Superior now expects to be at the lower end of the previously communicated guidance range, primarily due to the significantly warmer than average weather experienced in the first quarter, as well as the anticipated impacts from COVID-19 and the lower price of oil on our business and our customers. Average weather as measured by degree days for the remainder of 2020 is anticipated to be consistent with the five-year average for Canada and the U.S. The low end of the range counts for warmer than normal weather for the remainder of 2020, um, reduced economic activity in Western Canada, further weakness in North American caustic soda and hydrochloric acid markets, and any anticipated volume decline related to COVID-19. The high end of the range accounts for colder than normal weather for the rest of 2020, wholesale propane market fundamentals similar to 2019, increased drilling activity in Western Canada, and improved North American caustic soda and hydrochloric acid markets. From a debt and leverage perspective, Total debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage ratio for the trailing 12 months as at March 31st, 2020 was four times. This compares to 3.7 times at December 31st, 2019. The increase in the leverage ratio from December 20, uh, 31st, 2019 was primarily due to lower adjusted EBITDA and higher debt related to the impact of the weaker Canadian dollar on the translation of Superior's U.S. denominated debt and Tuckin acquisitions completed in the 12, past 12 months. We're also updating our total debt to adjusted EBITDA leverage range at December 31st, 2020, to a range of 3.6 times to 4 times, compared to our previously communicated range of 3.4 times to 3.8 times. This increase is due to lower results of U.S. propane and specialty chemicals in the first quarter and the expected impact from a weaker Canadian dollar on the translation of U.S.-denominated debt. Superior is well within its covenants under its credit facility agreement and unsecured note indentures. Superior's senior debt to credit facility EBITDA ratio was four times as at March 31, 2020 and cannot exceed five times. Superior also had available liquidity of $232 million under the credit facility as of March 31, 2020. Further, we do not have any significant debt maturities until 2024, so we're well positioned from a financing and liquidity perspective. With that, I'd like to turn the call over for Q&A. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. 
please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question comes from David Newman of Our Day. Please proceed. Good morning, folks. Uh, good results, uh, and obviously uh, one of the few to actually keep guidance, so congratulations. Uh, a couple of questions on, on propane uh, prices and margins. Uh, the basis differentials have obviously normalized from the recent highs, but my understanding is that you might have been in the throes of uh, establishing your supply contracts for next winter at the end of March and early April, and the propane prices were fairly low at that point. Any potential supply benefits that you could flag out of that, uh, especially for your non-resi business and, and those that have fixed price term sales? Um, you know, from, from the perspective, and I'll talk about the overall market fundamentals first. Um, typically what you see is we have our new contracting years that start April 1st. And so what you will typically see is you get a better sense of what's going to happen with differentials and those market differentials going forward once you move into the new contracting year. So the differentials were strong in, in Q1. They continued through. Um, as we're looking at it going forward, um, April looks positive, but our, our initial view is that we would be back to sort of five-year average type differential numbers. Now, to your question on from a lower propane price perspective, how that can impact us going forward, as we've discussed previously, um, for residential customers in particular, there is some ability um, to capture some incremental margin as the propane prices are lower. Um, in addition to that, as you have fixed price type contracts in place, as you can enter into contracts for fixed prices going forward and they're lower, you do have the ability to potentially capture, again, a little bit incremental margin if that customer price is still declining or being maintained on a year-over-year -year basis. So we would view um, in the lower propane pricing environment that we do have the ability to probably keep some of that incremental margin that we have experienced in the last probably year to 18 months because the propane prices have been relatively low um, over that period of time. Um, does, that, does that capture um, your question? No, or that's, there that's, that's great, Beth. I appreciate okay. that. And, and what about the actual supply? Obviously, we're not getting a lot of, uh, you know, associated gas and NGL supplies are tightening. Are, are you, when, you, when you contract your supplies for the next winter, do you contract it? What, what's the supply guarantees that you get? Um, we, will, we will buy supply, and with the size of our portfolio and the variability in the volume that's used, um, what we will typically buy are pieces where there is, volume which is committed to us and will usually have something like a plus or minus 10% ability okay. to draw. Um, if your question is getting at with some of the refineries, um, production levels being lower, etc., from our perspective, um, our view is overall fundamentally we're comfortable, we can get propane, um, there's no um, lack or inability of supply. There is, however, potential in certain regional areas um, to have some additional challenges. So we have looked and I'll identify, say, an area like California. So in California right now, the refineries have slowed down. So mm -hmm. as a result, in order to get the propane, we've had to rail 
more propane into California to service our customers. So that is something which we're constantly looking at and what we will do to mitigate any potential risk to make sure we have security of supply to our customers, we will look forward and um, you know, ensure that we have, I'm going to say, plan B's in place. Um, Eastern Canada and Newfoundland, there's been um, similar challenges where, again, we've um, trucked more um, propane in than we normally would because that uh, refinery isn't producing the levels of propane it historically did as well. So again, reach. Yeah, no, so 90% of our propane comes from natural gas. So as you see, the oil production slowing down. It's not affecting us or capacity to get propane going forward. It's looking as good this year as the past. Your question on the, the market with the residential making a bit more margin, just for everybody on the phone, the relativity of that in Canada, we're about 25% residential. And they're staying 85 to 90 percent of our volume is residential. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And and just on the, you noted uh, several times in the release uh, competitive pressures in in Canada. I can only assume that your major competitor in Western Canada is being a little bit more aggressive and non-resi, commercial, industrial, and, and maybe even oil field to a degree. Anything you guys can call out in terms of what you're seeing in the competitive landscape overall? Yeah, uh, I think in the last year we've had a bit more pressure with competition in Western Canada, not so much in the rest of Canada. We've had good growth except the oil field. Every other segment we've had internal growth. Same with the states. We took over NGL and rebuilt it to the tune of 24 million more of its upcoming. <clears throat> and we're uh, humming well on our game of marketing and sales we put in place in our digital connection with customer is helping us a bit more now than the past because people are forced to do digital. And once you do digital sales, it's very hard. Our computer really don't. We don't have any of our apps that are approached, not even close. And once you connect, you drop attrition in half and you can gain customers that are looking for a top supplier that has simplified all the process, can do all the information, and the pricing and the billing, all digital. So I think we have a, a, a bit of an edge uh, that's probably going to show better going forward in that regard. And from a competition out west, in the last three months, it slowed down a lot. I think our competitor have followed our lead to say, let's not move too much of our technician to switch propane tank when it really doesn't make a difference, one thing to the other. You know, we own our tank and somebody else can not come and fill gas in our tank. So there's less switching going on now because of the situation with the COVID-19. Okay, and last one for me. Uh, Luke Bath, you guys moved pretty quickly here on OPEX to reduce $35 million in cost reductions. That was a great, great reaction, obviously and very quick. So anything you can call out what might be comprised in that uh, of that number and how you, how you managed to get it down uh, fairly quickly amid uh, COVID? Sure. So first, first thing, thank you for the comment because the one thing we've done over nine years is built a very outstanding business model that's the best in the industry by far. And we've had tons of proof of that, including industry association uh, statistics. And 
we're operator and we take action. So as soon as we see a slowdown or a difficulty ahead of us, what are we doing about it? And, and we're just, we're just, I think I've said it before in many calls, I think if you have to say what's our real core competence of the management team, you know, and we changed a lot of manager when we started, friendly the core competence of execution. We, we're good in, in digital and marketing and sales, which is not very big in this industry, including chemical, we're better at marketing and sales. And then we're, from a time, from an execution point of view, we just go at it. We just make it happen. Once we have a, we decide something, we just do it. So, when you want the breakdown of the 30 million cost savings, about 9 to 10 million is Canadian propane. The wage benefit people, 6 to 7 million. The lower traveling, which I think will last forever, we're going to do things differently going forward, about 1.5 million. And we did the, so reduced cost also in the U.S. business by about 13 million. Wage and benefit reduced. See, in the, in the distribution logistic business, we have a variable cost of 70% of our total cost. So the market goes up, we can scale up. The market goes down, we can scale down. Now, I know most competitors don't do that, but that's why we can flex our cost structure more in the distribution business being a variable cost type industry. Not as easy in chemical because you have bricks and mortars that are your basic cost in place. And your SG&E is 4% in our chemical. We've seen competitors having double our cost of this SG&E. So we have less opportunity, but in chemical, now Erco, uh, they're doing better than planned by a good number, not as good as last year. They reduced cost by 8 million. So you have the three division. There's no, there's no secret color that doesn't get adjust and affect and move to adapt to the new world. And what we did is we look at 18 months on the road. And if we were going to see it, only a 3% decline in the state from an industry, from the statistics, from the history, and I've talked to five competitors, uh, we put five. So for the next 18 months, we're going to have 5% less sales. Let's adapt to that. In Canada, we were thinking seven, eight less sales over the next 18 months. Mm -hmm. I put, we put 10 in the forecast. That we're going down 10. I don't think we'll make it to 10 and 5, but it doesn't matter. Let's adjust to 10 and 5, and if we're wrong, we'll, set, we'll scale up. Excellent. Thanks for the answers. They're great answers. Uh, enjoy the long weekend. All the best. Yeah, our next question comes from Ben Isaacson of Scotiabank. Please proceed. Thank you very much. Um, can you talk about your assumptions in the specialty chemicals business to arrive at um, the lower end of your EBITDA guidance range? Yeah, our chemical business is doing well this year versus plant, but not versus last year. And your question, you want to know how things are going by product? So, and the chlorate is doing well, and we've had a hiccup with one customer, a big break in the plant with six, 7,000 tons of less volume, and management just went at it right away, and we're going to do that, that loss of sales, uh, we're going to do it on the export, because we have a, and we are the player in America, the largest chlorate, and uh, it's 57% of our EBITDA, it's really running well, 
very uh, and when we we can flex with export so we had capacity reserve we're going to have that we didn't expect from the forecast and that 5,000 plus ton we exported now and pretty much the same margin. When you look at chlorine, uh, I think what saves us a bit uh, on uh, chlorine is the caustic price are going up and we thought we predicted less cost price, caustic price increase, it's happening now. Every time there's a slowdown, there's less supply of caustic from the Gulf Coast for PVC. It takes a real producer like us to have a more demand and we increase price are, are happening as we speak. I think we're going to have a good year of caustic. And then on the chlorine, uh, the chloride, 5% uh, of our volume, not so good. Oil field, Canada, US, not so good. And then on the chlorine side, we bought uh, additional rail wagon years ago that gives us a good volume that we can ship when I think some of our industry competitors might not have enough uh, transportation capacity. Because when you make one product, you end up with the other. So you have to be able to ship chlorine to make caustic. We're, we're limited uh, to a degree, but we have more uh, transportation that we bought years ago that gives us a chance to play on that upswing of the caustic world. Yeah, no, and the one thing that I might add to your question, um, I think your question was asking what was happening in chemicals to push us towards guiding to the lower end. Um, fundamentally, where we're still facing headwinds in our overall um, chemicals area, and as Luke said, not in chlorate, but from a chloralkali perspective, um, where we don't provide specific guidance by division, um, directionally, chemicals has actually been producing better, and we would still anticipate it um, to be doing better than our, our original um, assumptions. That being said, on a year-over-year -year basis, it would still be um, challenged uh, based on those headwinds on chloroplast. And right. uh, one other item that I will flag is when you're looking at it, the foreign exchange is also um, one of the items that is resulting it to look more positive, um, positive than it might otherwise. Um, thank you for that. And my follow-up question is, uh, given where your leverage is right now, can you talk about your appetite for further tuck-ins uh, in the U.S.? Um, where valuations have they started to come down? Is the M&A market there frozen while COVID plays out? How much have you targeted for any tuck-ins this year? Yeah, you're kind of breaking my heart with that question because we have a list that's bigger than ever on opportunity, and we're looking at buying business that after synergy. The top six that we're looking at out of 22, which uh, unfortunately, we'll do a lot less than that this year because we don't like the idea of uh, passing four times you know, debt to equity. If I was a private business, it wouldn't bother me at all to see the sustainability of our business in tough times. So, but it is what it is, so we don't want to go higher than four. And because of that, we're going to slow down on acquisition. Uh, every one of our acquisitions we're looking at, on average of all the top six, uh, 26 to 27 percent ERR, including that we would pay 25 percent tax, and you know we're not going to pay lowest tax for many, many years to come. So we're uh, we really can buy at the right price, and we can integrate them, or we have the platform, the system, the people in place to 
just packed within a year to get the them to our business model. And unfortunately, we're going to slow down. Thank you. Our next question comes from Jacob Bott of CIBC. Please proceed. Uh, good morning. Morning. Jacob. Morning. A uh, question here on the the sustainability of uh, margins in the energy services, uh, in particular uh, what we saw in Canada in the quarter. Um, can this be maintained? And I know you were talking a bit about uh, margin management. Uh, what are you doing differently right now? I'll start with the end market, and then Beth could cover the supply base, which is uh, run under her leadership. The end market. If you go back to nine years, every year we're tweaking margin up. It's like, you know, this is almost a utility business. <laughs> you own the tank, and if you don't play around and increase price 25%, uh, the customer is not going anywhere. We really, really have top service. We do survey with our customer and our employees, and we're the top cartel of every, every support report we get from the customer. And we're getting an email now from employee and customer that you know, we even went up during this crisis. Both, uh, we, both survey we did recently is giving up bigger score because we're communicating and win the game. And so we're, we're in a good position from those uh, margins. And when you add the service and the connection and the digital that I alluded to earlier, what happens is now you're adding glue to the customer. No, I won't name big customer name, but we're doing it to every customer. Like if you add a penny here, a penny there, nobody gets hurt. And very hard once you're into a, a business model like us that has all of those services surrounding uh, the end market. I always say we don't sell a commodity here. Uh, from when I started, we're not here to sell commodities. Forget for paying the commodity, it's not. It's all our service, the connection with customers, our quick response. Nobody uh, runs out of, uh, of gas, and uh, it gives us an edge. So once you do the connection digital, you cut attrition, because you know, some people leave and move and all that, you cut attrition in half. So we're, that's why we get 2-3% more growth in an industry than, than the competitor, because at better margin. So philosophically, it's sometimes hard for people to relate to, oh, you increase price, you're going to lose volume. No. If you do it intelligently and you tweak it properly and you have to put a lot of view around the customer first, it's, it's okay, it's fixed. Yeah, and, and I think, Jacob, what I'll add, um, if part of your specific question was looking at the margin for Q1, which was 20 cents, um, typically, you know, we will guide to that 14 to 17 cents in our overall um, average margin. Um, for 2020, um, I think towards the higher end of the range would be a number that you should be thinking about. And that's partly being impacted by customer mix as well. So, um, and then that's just because a lot of the um, potential decreases in the volume are happening at wholesale type customers and the larger industrial and oil and gas customers which generate lower margins. So on an average basis, it will increase it 
sort of towards that top. But again, 14 to 17 cents is still a reasonable range to think about, but the higher end of that range for 2020. Okay. And then if we think about um, volumes on the industrial, commercial, and oil field side, um, can you just talk about what the shape of that has looked like? Like was there a dramatic fall off in April and things are starting to improve in May or are they still dropping off or um, how are you thinking about that right now? Yeah, we're, when we first I'll say when we uh, put the forecast together, you go back a month of work and people looking at every segment, every division, every region, uh, we feel a little bit more positive today. Uh, April and May is really looking good. Um, cost structure has come down and volume is good. So you will have, and that's where the 10% Canada and 5% US, the, uh, when it comes to industrial, there's less volume, less business. Of course, they do buy less propane. Uh, some segment, the house and commercial, a lot of commercial building, you have to eat them anyway. Not much change, good or bad time, economy slow down or not. But you do have some segment and some type of customer where you lose volume when the economy slows down. Our calculations show we probably six, seven percent in Canada reduction. We went to ten in adjusting our business costs accordingly. And US residential two, three percent. And we even had uh, on our board, as you know, the ex CEO of uh, Amerigas. And he said, look, 2% is probably good. You know, we've been residential and slow down the economy. So we put five. Uh, let's not do this three times in this year. We're going to do a big shot, but take care of it and let's move on. Yeah, and um, Jacob, to give you just a, a little bit of a sense as well, we would be expecting some of the, the pressure. And again, as Luke said, it's the you know commercial oil field forklift type volumes, which we would have seen um, some of the reductions. The way we're looking at it currently is if you think of Q2, sort of uh, from where we originally thought we were going to be, there'll be an impact of maybe 15 to 20% in some of those areas. Q3 less, more like a 10%. And then as we get to Q4, less of an impact to 5%. Um, and again, that's you know partly because you get your heating, um, heating again, um, base as well. But just to give you a little bit of a sense of how we're looking at that shaping. Yeah, okay. uh, auto industry, which is a segment taxi, would use propane uh, to a degree. All of those have been affected uh, big time, and that's where our new forecast is lower. Okay, thank you. And then my last question here is just on um, maintenance on the uh, specialty chemical side. Um, I think we've been hearing from some of your peers that uh, there may be some potential issues as far as getting the workers uh, lined up here for maintenance turnarounds. Um, are there any major turnarounds being planned for this year, and is that the same experience you're having? Well, I, I'll tell you, and I've said it before, I've done lots of eight different big industries, Canada, U.S., and uh, lots of change management, you know, with energy and to rebuild the business and position it well for growth after you fix it. I've never met a management team that professional as Urco. They are so on tune with everything ahead of the game. They don't miss the beat, man. So 
they will always be prepared for every one of the plants, a good protocol. You know, they're top of the industry in health and safety. We copy them for the rest of the business to improve their energy business, health and safety. And it's part of our culture now. But they, uh, they really are engineering that they know how to run stuff better than I've seen and better than the computer I know. So they're already preparing all the work, organized the protocols so people are not close to each other. Uh, our, our president was explaining to the board this week in Saskatoon, we closed for cost reduction and, and efficiency, we closed uh, the Saskatoon chlorate plant. And we are, as you know, expanding on Buckingham low-cost plant and then Valdasta low-cost plant in the southeast. So to swift, swift production, shift production to lower cost plant and closer to the end market. And this uh, Saskatchewan, we have the Clorica line next door within the same building but far apart. So we've used the two control centers to make people work in different places. And they, they're all totally on top of that. We're expecting no hiccups at all in any plant. It's reviewed regularly by the senior team. So not, nothing happening here that's a problem. Okay. Thank you. Our next question comes from Steve Hansen of Raymond James. Your line is open. Yeah, good morning, guys. Um, just a an initial question. I may have missed it, but uh, Luke, can you just comment or remind us on how quickly Virgo's contracts might adjust to benchmark price changes in caustic? Is that a relatively swift adjustment process, or is there a lag to it? No, it's pretty fast. Uh, we've uh, predicted uh, quarter to quarter. We have predicted that it would be not going up so much, maybe by mid-year this year, and we're getting a, a bit of help in that regard on caustic because the prices are going up uh, every quarter. Okay, helpful. And then maybe just a, a question on the tuck-in side. I, I understand tuck-ins will be down this year. But you have moved into the retail side of California now. Uh, you started in the wholesale market. Are there any unique advantages to being in the retail side in California uh, that would be different from the retail dynamics we see elsewhere? Yeah, up to that many times where <clears throat> when we, uh, let's say we buy this at six and a half, nine, or seven times, make it a buy, make it seven. And it's new in California, and we don't have a lot of big scale in California. With our business model, we'll bring 2% internal growth. We have to do that everywhere. We'll bring an operational effectiveness on the logistic, our business model logistic with our sensor that we install and the spending by the minute everywhere, every tank where they're at and how to fill them the most efficient way. So when we bring our business model, we'll gain one, one multiple turn. So we'll go from seven to six. If we're uh, like we are bigger in this eastern uh, part of the states, that seven becomes five. Because normally we put our business model and are way more efficient, we go from seven to six, then we look at, oh, there's a lot of overlap. And they overlap, you take those costs out, and you gain another turn. I'll go to an extreme, the Ken West, team uh, that you know very well up west. It was a $40 million business, and there was a lot of overlap with us. That well, was a, our main competitor, Western Canada. 
So 40 million became 60. So it's 50% improvement, not 25. Why? Because there was so much overlap. We don't need two storage and two uh, location and the same, you know, 20 miles uh, circle. So you're more than if you buy in an area that you already have a, a position, you gain more to uh, the synergies. California will give us less synergy, the first four, five, six, eight acquisition on this is a big one. And then after that, just it will click like, like, and the reason we are in California, want to get big. We have a hiccup now on cash and all that stuff. We're going to double up and triple up one day in the US because we have the business model and we can improve everything we buy, going from seven, bring it back to five, bring it back to seven, bring it back to six. Why don't we do a ton of that? I don't have the cash. Yeah, and I, I think in the California market, I'll just also flag um, some of the other unique things that we tend to see there that you may not see everywhere else. And one is it does have strong agricultural margins as a result of that just market in general. Uh, if you want to think about it, it serves wineries, etc. Um, you also tend to have, um, interestingly, when you look at the usage on a year-over-year-over-year -over -year -over -year basis, it tends to be fairly consistent. Um, in that usage by the customers in California. So it is nice from that perspective. And as Luke mentioned, it is a very large market as well. So certainly from a longer term perspective, there's a lot of room to grow as Luke was talking about. Okay, helpful. And, and I don't know if it's relevant or if you could share, but of the top six uh, entities that I think Luke referred to earlier, would we have a sense for how those are balanced between East Coast and West Coast? Uh, one West Coast, five East Coast. <laughs> okay, thanks guys. Appreciate the time. Take care. Our next question comes from Nelson Ng of RBC Capital Markets. Please proceed. Great, thanks. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, first question relates to the uh, deferral or the 30 million of CapEx and 30 million of OpEx reduction. Yeah. I was just wondering, how should we think about this? Like, is the CapEx really a deferral? of 30 million into 2021. And for that 30 million of OPEX reduction, is this more of a short-term cost savings or or would costs in 2021 be higher? Or is some of this like a recurring uh, cost saving item? Like, can you just give a bit more comment there? Yeah, I'll start and Beth will uh, add to that. So from a operating cost, they're reduced because the volume is going to be less, slow down the economy, so that's done. It's not coming back unless the economy comes back and volume comes back. On the CapEx, very good question. There some are delayed CapEx. They're going to be postponed in time. Uh, bigger, the bigger one is B51. The government gives us up to 2024 to go through everything. Every 10 years, we have to do that and just do some adjustment and clean up and make sure that the Equipment is really up to par. Uh, we've done tons of that up to now. It costs us, let's say, 10 million a year, and I hope it goes away. It will go away in 2024. So we had up to 2024 to do it. Uh, so we said, okay, uh, we're closer to 3.8. Uh, why don't we just take a break here? We have time. So we did that. That's coming back. It will have to be done by 2024. Other CapEx is uh, our, our fleet has been renewed, as you know. Uh, 
where we don't like truck that are 8, 10 years, 12 years old. There's some truck about the tail you could last 10 years and it's good. And we're modernizing our fleet big time in the last five, six, seven years. As you know, we never were short of uh, bringing the business to the next level of, of efficiency and we need investment and we've done a ton of investment in that regard. So we, well, our year, our truck, like seven years average, we could go to eight and nobody dies and it's not a big deal, so we delay trucks. Um, yeah, and, and what I will um, also flag, where um, Luke was talking, the majority of the um, expense savings uh, are sort of one time um, as a result of the reduction. There is some um, that is linked to our superior way um, initiative, as well as some on rescaling of the business. So we would anticipate as we move into 2021, there are, or there will be recurring or permanent cost savings in the range of 10 to 11 million. So we do see that there are some. They aren't all one time or all variable based. I might want to add something to Vincent is that all investment that keeps us differentiating ourselves, making us better than the competition out there, sensor, digital, not stopping that. Somebody will have to. Uh, It'd be hard to have me stop to build our differentiation and our business model. Not doing that. They're all delays, stuff that we can delay and comfortable with. Okay, thanks for the color. And then just um, moving on to the chlorate business, I, I, I know you mentioned that the uh, business is doing well and demand is strong. I know one of your peers uh, reduced their expectation in terms of chlorate volumes because of weak paper demand, but obviously tissue demand strong. Um, could you comment on your expectation of the uh, COVID impact, whether it's partly because you have a different mix of customers or, or whether you're seeing any um, weakness going forward? Very good question. So First of all, when I talk about marketing and sales and chemicals, people say, well, what are you doing? You're selling chemicals. And years ago, uh, early leadership at Erco, and we moved uh, some customer base that were paper. We knew it's going away. About 7% of our sales are things today. <laughs> we went down to look at customers that are doing bleaching for fluff and other products. There's some good growth there. So let's move away slowly but surely from those paper customers. And we still have some, 7% of our total power. So I think that mix is helping us, and it was planned in a strategic uh, orientation of the last five plus years. And don't forget also, we've developed, and we have people that, we have 50% market share in chlorate in Japan. So chlorate, you all know, I suppose on the phone, that you don't get imported chlorate. It's the biggest cost of chlorate, two-thirds of the cost, is energy in North America, natural gas or electricity, Quebec, nobody in the world is going to come and play that game against us. And we, we said, well, what about exporting? And uh, we hired a couple of marketing salespeople that travel the world, less these things, and good market share in different parts of the world. So we start our extra capacity if there's a hiccup and you lose 10,000 tons. Like we just did two months ago, let's export it. We have all those connections. You make pretty much the same margin. It's just a little bit more costly to transport. Uh, and we have that flexibility, and then we adjust. 
Okay, that's that's great color. I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Okay. Our next question comes from Patrick Kenny of National Bank Finance. Yeah, good morning everybody. I uh, hope everyone's keeping well. Um, just with regards to the lower electricity mill rates that you experienced in the quarter, um, now that the natural gas forward curve has moved up, you know, 25% or so over the past couple months, would you expect to see upward pressure on your electricity rates for some of your plants into the back half of the year and into 2021? I guess, you know, is this factored into your revised guidance, at least for 2020? Yeah, it's in our guidance. We saved uh, a million plus um, on cost. Don't forget electricity in Quebec, very low, and we have a new arrangement with Quebec, our biggest plan of chlorine at Buckingham, and we have a good arrangement that we're not getting cost increase in electricity. Natural gas in the southeast, very good, and we don't see a problem there. Vancouver, it's another area where you see, well, what is management do when you're in that kind of business. Vancouver, the price spike uh, for a couple of weeks or a month, I'm trying to remember the time period. So what our management did say, we have capacity, we have some stock in other plants. Price electricity went up. When I produced it for a week, I think it was 10 days. And then the price, and we adjust with other chemical chlorate that we have, that's also a chlorate plant, that's a chlorate plant that export to Japan. And so we're kind of a flex again with what happened to the business. This is getting too high on cost in Vancouver. We'll time out. Let's slow down. And let's let's uh, produce some other plant and ship the, the product. Now they're back uh, with low price and we're back producing full time. Saskatoon, we closed last year. Why? And the price of Saskatoon electricity goes up every year more than the inflation, like double inflation. What the heck? You can't do that for 10 years when 70% of your variable cost making chlorine is, is electricity. So we shut down chlorine and we're building it in Buckingham where we are the lowest cost of electricity in America, maybe the world. <laughs> so in good shape and we're, that's what management does for living. Yeah, and, and just for clarity, um, in your question on what we would be anticipating for the remainder of the year, we don't anticipate that same level of um, mill rates for the remainder of the year. Our forecast would be um, looking to sort of, um, you know, increasing to where we thought we were initially going to be. Um, so fundamentally, it's not built in for the remainder of the year. Okay, perfect. And then. On the positive side, I guess you know one of the silver linings here of this uh, this crisis is that it's you know forcing everyone to become more tech savvy. Are you seeing any immediate benefits here from a customer service or operational efficiency perspective? I know you mentioned the 30 million of savings are are mainly wages and travel expenses, um, but also alluded to you know uh, the superior way platform. I'm just curious, you know what you're seeing in terms of accelerating um, some of the cost reductions related to the Superior Way uh, initiative and, and how that might play into you know, the back half of 2020. Very good point, Pat, because with what's coming, that's why I think the successful company do, what's coming will give us a chance to say that way with 
everybody getting hurt so much everywhere in the world, to do something better. So what's happening in the acquisition? We're going to pay less. What's happening with uh, our, our bricks and mortar equipment? What we have on site, let's say, uh, a thousand people work from home on our total employee base today, 1,040. And we're, I'm shocked, honestly, I didn't know that. I'm shocked all our customer call centers are like, wow, and we know we can just, we have put, we have put a, a digital world in our business, and now it's like, holy mackerel, we have a thousand people working from home. What are we missing? And we're having like, but there's nothing happening. So, like, what do you do going forward? Well, the rest of the year, we'll have a protocol to make sure not everybody goes back to the building at the same time, and we might adjust, you know, working hours and working time, take a bit longer time when people have kids so they can come back tomorrow. We're good. We're working from home. It's going well. We had a, a queue which was very, very, we went to develop two best of class call centers. And uh, by doing that, we do it with equipment and technology. So now they're working it from home. They're measuring their efficiency, the number of calls, how we servicing customer. Our customer set went up. Our customer service number and uh, promotion score went up. What the hell is going on here? So we're learning to, oh, we don't need everything we have. And we just started that discussion, me with the president a week ago, so it's pretty new. Say, okay, let's start to think about we're not going to do everything the same way in a year because we have a chance to think it, think it differently now. Who would have told me that our customer call center could go home and we have the same service and it goes up? I would never call that shop, I can tell you. Uh, so yes, there's coming coming stuff from transportation costs. You know, Airco reduced their costs uh, by over a million of uh, to, uh, just people flying everywhere. And your president was saying, I don't think we need to go back to that. Maybe it's half of flying and meeting face to face. There'll be a ton of opportunity and acquisition and how we do our thing and the management and the number of buildings we have. All of that will be reconsidered totally. Okay, great. Thanks for that color, Luke. Um, and then just switching gears here, when you turn the drip back on earlier this year, Obviously, that was pre-crisis and with a much much higher stock price. So, just curious, you know, given the dilution um, here at these levels, uh, what other levers you might be able to pull just to achieve your deleveraging goals, either smaller non-core asset sales or otherwise? Again, just to, to mitigate the dilution on your payout ratio as much as possible. I mean, I think from um, our perspective, um, we are looking at other areas. We do view that the drip provides cash retention in the challenging environment. And, you know, it does, it, there is some dilution, but it's not material dilution. So from our perspective at this point in time, um, you know, we're comfortable with it in place, although we do acknowledge the fact that the share price is low. Okay, and then on the flip side, Beth, I guess, you know, you mentioned the FX tailwinds here, obviously a good opportunity to lock in some pretty attractive rates. Can you just confirm what percentage of your U.S. cash flow is hedged at this point for the remainder of 2020 and perhaps 2021, and then what you'll be targeting in terms of a hedging percentage as you move through the back half of the year? 
Yeah, so for um, 2020, we have roughly 90% um, currently hedged. So we do have our hedging policy, and um, just to refer, and certainly you can look to it, we do, we do have um, disclosure within our MD&A um, on the hedging and the percentages. But that being said, so we're 90% in 2020, and then for 2021, we're currently sitting at roughly about 65%. So it certainly is something that we will look at within our typical parameters of hedging, which we have ranges as the years go out, and um, we will uh, certainly look to do that. We're in the Canadian dollars as weak as it is currently. Okay, perfect. That's it for me. Keep well, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Good luck, Pat. Our next question comes from Elias Foskalos of Industrial Alliance. Please proceed. Uh, good morning, and uh, sort of echoing everyone's thoughts, I, I hope all of you are well. I, I've got a, a couple of questions that uh, will sort of tie together um, onto the, the debt sort of forecasting um, sort of side. So it, first one is a bit of a follow-up from, from Patrick, and, and I don't want a micrometer, but I noticed that we had about uh, 300,000 shares issued in the drip with $2.7 million. Can you clarify if that was for one month or uh, or two months of, of dividend um, rationale? I just want to get a handle on the participation rate. Um, yeah, maybe the best way to answer that is from a participation rate perspective. On um, the first month we put the drip in, it was roughly 28% participation. Um, then for sort of March, um, as we went through, um, the, you know, the largest part or the, the first indication of the crisis, it decreased to um, in the range of 16%. And then it did actually um, jump back up to about 28%. So uh, we, we've kind of readjusted what our expectation was. We historically have seen about 30%. We're thinking it might end up being somewhere around 20% um, participation. But again, going forward, we'll have a better sense in another month or two. Okay. And now um, sort of taking that a bit further, uh, Beth, if, if I can, to your uh, forecast um, of, of debt to EBITDA. Um, you, you've updated that to 3.6 to, to four times, and, and you've given us EBITDA guidance. So I guess would it be fair to say um, that you can see debt holding relatively steady or maybe declining a little bit, um, you know, trying to ignore the potential FX gyrations? Uh, would that be sort of fair? Yeah, absent, um, absent, you know, FX changes, yes, we're still producing, you know, positive cash flow. So that would be used to reduce debt from a cash flow perspective. But again, yes, you have the FX impact. Okay. Um, and, and now I'll, I'll sort of move to Luke. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to sort of push you a bit on the uh, tuck-ins. You have your, your top six. Um, and, you know, I, I, historically you've been, you know, buying in the – I'd say sort of the midpoint range um, or maybe the sweet spot range for you might be, uh, you know, 20 to $30 million. Um, to, to get to your debt number, can we think of anything being budgeted beyond what's occurred? Um, just sort of from a, a planning perspective or, um, or not? Yeah, so there's really three buckets of acquisition. I don't think we'll do six this year. 
think there's two that are lined up that would like to do shortly and then we'll see the rest of the year. It's all up because of the debt. You're, you're right. And when it comes to small, there's a lineup of small, medium, and larger ones. So on the small one, I, first I think it's important to know right now with what's going on out there for the next year or two, or year anyway, hopefully less, and then I'm going away. There might be one or two that we lose because we're not, you know, want to pay more or we're not looking at buying uh, enough companies that are for sales, but I don't think in general they're kind of going away. If they're not going away, the market gets a bit tougher, 5% less sales in the States, 10% Canada, uh, we're going to be able to do deals and I believe the deals are going to be a bit cheaper. So I'm not pleased to do, let's say, four or five acquisitions this year versus 10 that we can do and we can integrate and do their job, but it's not so bad because There'll be more pain for people who want to sell to say, how many buyers out there? Not that many. How many are like us that knows everybody in the industry, have contact and relationship? No one. So we're at the table of everyone, and I can tell you from since we start doing acquisition, the one we lose, we're the one walking away. Because they sold at eight times or even a half and didn't want to pay eight of that. So we're we're doing small, there's a medium ones and Two of the medium ones called me once a month this year because they should have sold us last year. <laughs> but uh, now I can't go out and do equity of these prices just crazy. So we're continuing the contact and the relationship. So as soon as we can fly, we'll let's meet. We'll we'll continue that work and we'll push it a bit. It's not going away, you know. And we'll get to a position I hope that you know in time that we can start wrapping up properly. Uh, and the large one, we would need a major investor to come in because well, we don't want to be four times plus that in the public company. Event, anything you would add to that? Um, no, the only thing that I'll clarify is typically when we're looking at the range, we don't build in any future acquisitions. Um, that being said, for the smaller type ac acquisitions, um, we will pro forma the EBITDA, so smaller transactions don't have a material impact on the on the leverage. Just for to clarify. Okay. Um, and, and, and this kind of ties into sort of acquisitions, but um, and, and maybe COVID nineteen. Uh, have you seen any impact to your cash flow or um, uh, AR related to uh, to customers and? You know, I know you're not formally a utility, but is there any relief if, if that's the case? And um, does that again play into the acquisitions for the smaller uh, competitors? Um, you know, we we certainly have seen um, certainly with some of the smaller oil and gas customers sort of concerns around credit on some of the customers. Um, that being said, we don't have. Um, we, I, I don't have any examples of non-payment, et cetera, at this point in time. What we have done has been very clear and allocated and been very targeted um, with our credit collections people um, to have them focused on those areas. And we are looking at various customers where we believe we need incremental collateral to reach out and address that. I mean, the one thing to remember uh, from a corporate perspective, and I'm talking about energy distribution right now, we have a very um, diversified portfolio. We don't have 
um, any concentration or extremely large customers. Um, so from that perspective, um, it's something we're looking at. It's something that we think we may um, have to consider going forward, but uh, currently right now we're just focusing on some individual potential areas. Great. But that's it for me. I'll uh, stop at this point, and I appreciate the caller. Our next question comes from Joel Jackson of BMO Capital Markets. Morning, Joel. Hi, this is Hi, this is Bree Murphy on for Joel. Morning. Okay. Um, thanks for taking <laughs> thanks for taking my question. <laughs> Um, most of my questions have been answered. I just have one follow-up for Beth. You gave some guidance on typical Canadian propane margin ranges and what you expect for the year. Can you do the same for U.S. propane? Yeah. So from a U.S. perspective, um, the way to think about it is between um, 30 to 32 cents U.S. So again, that will get impacted by wherever the Canadian dollar is. But if the Canadian dollar was at basically one point, like a 1.4, or uh, 1.4, then it'd be somewhere between 42 to 45 cents is the way to think about it. And then for this year, do you expect it to be just in the midpoint of that range or the higher end? Um, I, you know, I think from our perspective, again, depending on where the Canadian dollar is, probably more so um, shifting towards the higher end based on where the propane prices are. Okay, great. That's it for me. Thank you. I would now like to turn the conference back to Luke Desjardins, President and CEO. Thank you. So, thank you for your questions. It was uh, really good to drill down and challenge us on many areas, which we appreciate because sometimes we learn also how to respond properly to all our investors and analysts. Uh, <clears throat> thank you for listening. Supporting us through this difficult time is a great thing. Uh, we have a good dividend. We have a start that's extremely low. So, and uh, to start the quarter one, I think it's very clear, big picture, really warmer than, than 130 years, six time in the history. So think of that as to what happens next year. Well, usually average weather comes back, uh, we'll get the, the amount at that time, and we restructure with lower costs. I think we have a, a good upside down the road with that alone, with continuing, of course, to do everything we can uh, in the business. And a little bit of wind behind us, not that April, May, June are our biggest quarter. It's not. Uh, it's a slower quarter, but it's uh, really humming well. Uh, for the, As you all people know, uh, Finally, we got a little bit of cold weather uh, in uh, April and May that was not expected, so things are moving uh, a little bit better than we anticipated when we put this uh, forecast together. So in a nutshell, thank you, uh, all the best, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, in three months, or you know, all of you call Rob whenever you <laughs> have something you want to know more. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating, and you may now all disconnect.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.